Hey guys, Joe Wolverton, Teacher of Liberty here, back with you today, and I am so excited today. I am doing, oh my goodness, one of my, one of my favorites. So remember how I told you I'm going to try to alternate between American history and world history? So we just did the Constitution, so we're going to do some world history today. We're going to do, oh my goodness, literally have goosebumps because we're going to talk about my man Demosthenes today. Demosthenes, oh my goodness. He is one of my favorites. Once we get into it, you're going to find out why. Uh, before, though, we get into Demosthenes, I want to give a big shout out to the Henry's Rebellion. Uh, some up, Well, one of them has been a student of mine, uh, and these this group are going to be students of mine starting on Thursday. And Henry's Rebellion sent me this cool pen with the cool little like stylus tip. I wanted to give a big thank you to them. And if you're in Clinton, Missouri, I guess it's Henry County, Missouri. If you're there and you are a friend of Liberty, you probably want to look these guys up. Uh, it's for it's for homeschool kids, yeah. Don't don't be bringing your public school nonsense up in there. But this is brilliant, and I'm very great. I mean, send me a pen. What are you, you going to do? You know, I'm um I'm I love it. Um, and about Demosthenes, I wanted to point out that I think I can't remember how many years ago now. She probably can. One of my former students, one of the first ones that when I uh, started teaching at uh, the, the high school where I finished teaching, one of the first people that really caught on to what was going on and, and, and um, you know, n understood why I was teaching how I was, that it was just me, it wasn't some kind of, you know, technique or anything, uh, and that's Victoria smith who man just what a great family and everything anyway she studied the classics in uh, college and she i think it was her freshman year and you can correct me in the comments victoria but i think it was her freshman year and i believe it was her uh professor judson herman who edited this uh volume of demosthenes selected speeches from demosthenes and i'm gonna tell you i you know have read it I didn't mark this one. I, I have several copies of Demosthenes' speeches. I didn't mark this one because it's special to me. Uh, but just one of those things, it's like, man, you know how much someone knows you, how well someone knows you. In the, I mean, come on, Demosthenes. And this is, you know, it has the Greek and the English. Come on. I mean, and so I still have it. And it looks like it was like bought yesterday because I... I keep it on the shelf. I only took it off to show this because it's super special to me. And it will, you know, I don't let anyone flip through it. I mean, I have, like I say, I, you know, read through it because it's got some really good scholarly notes. But that's a gift from one of my great friends in the world, former student Victoria Smith. So thank you, Victoria, for that. For Demosthenes, the one that I do read and do, I mean, you, you can tell the difference. <laughs> yep, this looks like it's been, you know, looks like I found it washed up on shore after a typhoon or something it's it looks pretty bad it's pretty pretty rough pages well marked up and and yeah you can see that that's that's been through some stuff right but that's the copy we'll be using today um anyway so thank you all for subscribing please continue to do that share this I think this is going to be one of those ones that you want to share of course I thought that with the constitution one and it I don't know, maybe some of y'all haven't watched it yet, but I was really proud of that one. It's one of those ones that 
man, could make such a difference if people understood those little things. And, and I'm always, I'm comforted by the fact that it's not my opinion. I don't have to worry about that. Someone's going, oh, that's just that guy's opinion. Who cares? Because it isn't my opinion. It's, it's, you know, demonstrable fact of what these words mean and that they use them particularly and, and how that could change things so quickly if we understood that and, you know, if we could make America states again. And I, I really, I'm surprised that, that one wasn't more popular. But if you haven't watched that one, please go back and watch it and share it. We're getting ever closer to a thousand. I'm hopeful that, see, this is going to run on Thursday. I'm hopeful that by the following Tuesday, we have that thousand and that uh, I can give away that Library of Liberty. I'm really excited to, I'm literally, it's like, you know, one of those better to give than to receive. I'm really excited to give away that little library. And it's only, I don't know how many books this is, maybe four books or something like that. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm really excited to give it away. And I'm really excited to get a discount code from Liberty Fund for y'all that really care about this stuff. You know what I mean? And so that you can get these books, get them at a discount. Liberty Fund gives out discounts. If you go, if you're on Instagram, uh, you follow their Instagram account, they will occasionally have a, a discount code for you. But if I can get a thousand subscribers, we can get a discount code and just be, I mean, when I was teaching, I had a discount code. Gosh, I think when I was teaching, they gave us like, like a third off or, or 50% off. It was something crazy like that. So if we can get up to a thousand on here, so keep sharing this and, and everything. And, uh, anyway, let's talk about Demosthenes, shall we? So Demosthenes lived, you know, around, you know, 300 BC, uh, Philip II of Macedon, a.k.a. Philip the Barbarian, for my OGs out there who know what I'm talking about. Uh, Philip the Barbarian, Philip the Barbarian. Uh, yeah, so if you've ever watched the Alexander the Great movie with, I think it's Richard Burton playing Alexander the Great, when he comes down the stairs in that shimmery man skirt, like looks like prom, like, you know, like a debutante ball or something. Alexander with his feathered hair and his shimmery man dress and in that his dad of course is philip the second of macedon and he gets all drunk and he does a dance about how the athenians call him a barbarian because barbarian do y'all know what barbarian means so barbarian and we still use that in our language barbarian means speaker of the barbar language because to athenians who were really proud of themselves for being athenians Anybody who had a different dialect of Greek or a different accent, they called them a barbarian because they said all their languages like bar, 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 bar. So they called him a barbarian, a barbarian. And so Philip, who was Greek but not Athenian, they called him Philip the Barbarian. And so one night he's camped outside of Athens ready to take to defeat the army of of Athens, and he's getting all drunk and doing a dance, Philip the Barbarian, making fun of, you know, the how the Athenians see him. Anyway, if you see the movie Alexander the Great, which I own, and I'm not ashamed of it, because if for nothing else than the sartorial splendor of that movie, to watch Richard, I think it's Richard Burton, plays Alexander the Great, when he descends those stairs in that shimmery, almost sequined man dress and his hair is perfectly coiffed with enough hairspray to probably burn down my, my house 
and my neighborhood, let's be honest. It's and his eyeshadow, his his mascara. I'm telling you, it's a marvel of makeup and sartorial splendor. Two thumbs up for Alexander the Great starring. I don't know. It's from the fifties, I think. Anyway, it's probably. I know they have it on uh, Amazon Prime for purchase, and, and I purchased it, and I'm not ashamed of that. Uh, but if you wanted to give it, you know, just dip a toe in the water, maybe they let you watch a couple of minutes and you can see what I mean. So Philip II, Philip the Barbarian, he, uh, the father of Alexander the Great, as I said, he had eyes on conquering all of Greece and he set about doing that. Uh, he would say and do anything to convince the leaders of the various Greek city-states to accept him, uh, to peacefully accept him. And once they were drawn in by his speeches and his promises of equality and liberality and all this, he would snatch down on their liberty and he would destroy them and he would take their stuff and he would build a bigger army and enslave them and everything. And he would just take total tyrannical control. He was smooth-talking veteran, pretended to be a man of the people, you know the M.O. by now, right, of tyrants. Surely you know the M.O. of tyrants by now, right? We've gone over it so many times. But as all of this made Philip II the prototypical tyrant to our founding fathers, if you go and read their letters and their speeches and their essays and their books, you will see that when it comes to talking about a tyrant, they talk about Philip of Macedon. They thought that guy is the prototypical, the model, the arch tyrant. If you want to be a tyrant, that's the guy who shows you how to do it because he would come in like a lamb and just take off that sheep's clothing and tear into you like every wolf ever would. And he was just to them. You can't read Anything they write about tyranny and liberty without reading about Philip II of Macedon. And uh, so he, I mean, look it up. You can go look for yourself. Um, it might be in the Federalist Papers. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty sure Philip gets mentioned in the Federalist Papers. I, I would, I wouldn't bet the farm on it, but I'd come close to betting the farm on it. I don't have a farm, but if I did, I'd bet it on it. Or might, maybe like a barn. I'll bet a barn. Hey, I will bet two, two, three bales of hay that in the Federalist Papers they mention Philip of Macedon. Now, he was on the march and wanted to take over Athens. He had crushed or co-opted and about to crush all these cities heading toward Athens from the north down. Now, there were some people in Athens, cough, cough, Isocrates, cough, cough, who was like, look, now, Socrates, some of his speeches are also awesome. I love reading my man's speeches in defense of liberty. When it comes to reading his stuff on Philip, it's so cringe. Because he's like, he tells the Athenians, look, guys, here's the deal. We cannot beat him. Would you rather have a Greek king or a foreign, read, Persian emperor rule over you? He's like, as for me... I'd rather have Philip, who's Greek and has, 
our same traditions, our same language, our same religion. I'd rather him rule over us than the Persian emperor. And so Isocrates actually sends letters to Philip. It's, oh my gosh, Isocrates. Brother, if you're listening, Isocrates, wherever you are, uh, first of all, you probably have better things to do to listen to this podcast. That's just me to you, brother to brother. Second, please tell me, you know, if someday we meet, you know, in the great yonder, I hope you're like, dude, I'm with you, bro. Those letters I wrote to Philip are so cringe because they are. Dear Philip, first of all, let me tell you that your dancing is sublime. Second, I heart you. Third, welcome to Athens, LOL. You know, it's all cringe. Your speech is on liberty, my man, Isocrates. Nothing but love for you, baby. I got nothing but love for you, girl. Whatever. Anybody who gets that reference, you get a special prize. I don't know what it is. Probably my, probably my respect. Big ups to you. I got nothing but love for you, baby. I got nothing but love for you. Yeah, whatever. But I, Socrates, really, those letters to Philip, and I think they're just called in history to Philip. It's like, it really is. It's like, you're such a good general, and your armies are so awesome, and I just think you're the greatest. Why don't you come down and rule over us? To be all th- oh, man. It just, it just doesn't feel good to read his like speeches, be like, yeah, and then to read his letters to Philip and be like, Socrates, man, fangirl much. But I get it. He's like, look, we're going to lose. Spoiler alert, they did. We're going to lose. So would you rather have Philip, a Greek, or would you rather have a Persian emperor who's, you know, not going to be one of us? Well, cue Demosthenes. Demosthenes... About 33 years old. Never, you know, you, you know, he wasn't allowed. You had to speak according to your age. And Demosthenes being 33 was really young. Now, like we've said before, I know that literally everybody, it seemed, not literally, practically everybody is like, back in then, if you were 34, you were ancient. No, you weren't. If you made it past 10 years old, if you made it past the diseases of childhood, you were going to be just live the life like you live today, you know, 70s, 80s, right? So being 33, my man was not old, okay? Matter of fact, he, at the beginning of his career in the assembly in Athens, he hardly ever got to speak because he was so young, and they spoke in order of seniority, unless somebody's like, yeah, I don't have anything to say. Then eventually they'd get to him. But this was a man full of patriotic zeal, uh, He developed a gift for speaking, and he argued that surrendering to Philip would be surrendering the soul of Athens, and it would make a mockery of the sacrifices of their ancestors who rid Athens of tyrants and established liberty. That should sound familiar to some of us, all of us, except I notice there's some of you listening in Switzerland. Hey, Switzerland. Oh, in Lithuania. Hey, Lithuania. It's probably just a a VPN, but I like to pretend that it really is someone there. I know it's some dude in like Utah with a VPN, but I pretend that you're really in Switzerland and really in Lithuania. I don't know how to speak Lithuanian, 
I don't even know if that's a language. I'm going to be honest with you. Switzerland, I've, I've lived there. I know y'all speak where I was, a German. So, guten Abend. Guten Abend, Schweiz. Guten Abend. Ich heiße Joey, right? Any road. Everybody's like, that guy speaks terrible German. Oh, yeah, well, you don't speak it at all. So, there. Now the Swiss people are going to be like, dear Joey, you should not speak the German on your podcast. It sounds very stupid. And now they're going to be like, why do you make fun of our accents? That's not really cool, Joey. Anywho, Demosthenes was like, no, I am not just going to sit here and say, oh, well, there's only two choices. Be ruled by a Persian emperor. Be ruled by a, a Greek tyrant. Demosthenes is like, no, that's a big, just spitting on the graves of our ancestors who died to, to get rid of tyrants who died so that we could be born free. And he's like, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Demosthenes ended up making a series of speeches against Philip in many ways. He would either speak, now he has these ones called Philippics. Now you should be, if you've been watching the podcast, if you've been keeping up with it, you know Philippics. I'm not going to say how you should know, but if you put it in the comments, I will mention you next time. Why? How you already know that Demosthenes called his speeches the Philippics. How did, how did you already know that? Because of something I already talked about in a past podcast. But, um, so these are called the Philippics, right? He made a series of speeches against Philip, and they're just called the Philippics. First, second, third, fourth, all that like that. But he also made speeches when towns around Athens would send to Athens and say, Oi, can y'all help us? Philip's coming. And so Demosthenes would get up at the assembly and say, hey, we just got this letter, uh, you know, just saw this tweet from Olynthus, hashtag we finna die. I think maybe we should do something about that. So he called them like after the city, right? On Karenice, uh, the Olynthiacs, the ones about Olynthus, anywhere like that. He made a bunch of speeches. And then when there was a proposed piece, he's like, mm-mm. I'm not going to get, yeah, let's just have peace. Peace at any cost. No. No, not peace at any cost. Not peace at the cost of our liberty. Not peace at the cost of making a mockery of the sacrifice of our ancestors. No. No. And so he has a speech, and I'm going to read you a little bit of it on the peace, where he's like, nope, not going to stand here and be like, yeah, that's cool. Let's just declare, you know. So anyway, uh, they are straight fire. Every one of his speeches, guys, they are straight. Oh, they are just straight fire. Read them. I would recommend the lobe on this one just because it has all of them and it has some of the lesser known ones. Straight fire. Uh, has good footnotes. The, the Cambridge one has amazing footnotes and it has the Greek and the English. Um, but I wanted to, I mean, the thing is, they're filled with straight fire. And they're filled with observations, with statements that sound all too familiar some 2,300 years later. Now, I don't know if y'all are like me, but I get tired of saying these things happened just like this 2,300 years ago and they sound so familiar. I'm really tired of saying that. 
Look at what Trenchard and Gordon wrote 300 years ago that sounds like it could have happened yesterday. I'm really sick of saying that. That's why when someone is like, history repeats itself, I want to I wanna throat punch him. I want to throat punch him so bad. And then when they say, why'd you throat punch me, Joey? I'm like, you know why. And then walk away after I kick him again. But walk away nonetheless. But the only way, guys, that we're ever going to stop, I don't want grandkids that are like, you know, who a teacher and he's like 20 or great grandkids. I don't know. Let's just say three generations, 2,400 years and the same thing still happened. I don't want that. I want us to stop now. And the only way we do this is by teaching these things again. We have got to start reading to students and having students read Demosthenes. Okay, instead of the nonsense that we have students read today. I'm talking, now I'm not talking high school or college. Our founding fathers... 10, 11 years old. We're being taught to read this in Greek. I'm giving us a pass and saying, let's just do it in English. I think the Greek and Latin ship has sailed for most people. I think you should learn it. I think you should be taught that. Right? But I'm saying a good compromise, a powerful you know, compromise that doesn't cost much, is read these speeches. Have... They're so much better than anything. Look, all due respect to lots of people whose famous speeches we read, they don't even they they don't even come close. Seriously, this is the varsity squad and the stuff we read as good as it is, we're talking JV at best. Right? If this is the major leagues, this I'm telling you, you don't believe me, read his stuff. The speeches that we read in school, if Demosthenes is the major leagues, the speeches we read are single A, sometimes cracking through to double A, sometimes. A lot of times, even single A, they're striking out a lot. Demosthenes, man, major league, just one hit after the other, just seriously, just cracking them out the out the ballpark y'all we gotta and there's no hope of not repeating these things unless we stop the behavior that has led us to repeat these things and the behavior is we gave away our education to strangers and don't tell me that you know your your student's teacher because you don't you don't you know you don't where do you go to college where do you grow up What's he think politically? What does he think? What church does he go to? Right? Who's his favorite author? Do you know all that? Do you have him over to the house? Because guess what? He knows something and you do too. That regardless of whatever relationship you have with your teacher, he knows every two weeks that money's getting direct deposited. And you know that every day you can have eight hours to go to work or or to get rid of the kids we gotta stop that we gotta stop that and the way we do it is by getting these things read again to our kids 
And because they, I'm telling you, man, I've had the experience. You know, you're supposed to testify of what you have seen and heard. Well, I'm testifying to you. I have myself poured this old wine in new bottles, and I have seen the effect. I can testify of what I've seen and heard, guys. And I have seen teenagers get so impassioned about principles of liberty from these old books and these old speeches and all these things that we don't teach anymore. I saw one of my students, I cried one day because I saw a student get on her desk with and knew that I wouldn't say anything about that. Get on her desk and start saying things from speeches that we hadn't studied. But she felt the same spirit that inspired that man in history to make that speech inspired that young woman to get on her desk and declaim against those who were taking the side of the tyrant. I've seen it. You want, and it is not me. Do you understand? I'm not sitting here and if you know me, and I hope you, anybody who didn't know me before you started watching this podcast, you know me well enough now. I'm not sitting here saying, I'm just the greatest teacher. I'm not saying that. I'm a good teacher. I know that. I say that because to deny that would be an insult to God who gave me that gift. So, yes, I'm a good teacher, but, you know, it's the message, man, not the messenger. And if y'all want to have this transformative experience in your classrooms, in your living rooms, get into this stuff that I teach. Don't just, I mean, yes, I love that you watch the podcast. I, I love that so much. Watch it and pass it around and get people to subscribe and let's do all those things. But what I'd prefer is if you're like, okay, well, let's go read Cicero's Philippics. Let's go read Demosthenes' Philippics. Let's read... The, the whole political catechism by Mariah Pinckney. Let's read all that. Let's go get Cato's letters. You can get them for free, man, on the internet. Nothing that I, nothing that I share with you do you have to pay to read. I'd like you to build a little library for yourselves, for your children, for your grandchildren. Nevertheless, thou mayest choose for thyself, for it is given unto thee. But I'm saying if you do, what a great patrimony that would be to hand down, right? What a great legacy to say, I can't, you know, what is that, guys and dolls? I can't stake you to a, I can't stake you to a, a, a big stack, but what I can stake you to is a little knowledge. I can give you a little knowledge. I got this library here, and it's all yours, you know. Much more valuable than money, you know. So, I, nothing that I teach or nothing that I share with you all in these podcasts doesn't require you to spend any money. You can get it all for free online. And I would love if you, and if, and I'm going to tell you, the reason I'm telling you this is because we have to have several of these little brush fires of liberty started. You see what I'm saying? It's not enough, the ones I taught, because some of them have fallen away. Because the world teaches you otherwise, and it teaches you to forget. And don't forget that there is an enemy of righteousness. There is an enemy of liberty. That does not want these things being taught, does not want these things being shared, does not want you printing off these things from the internet and having your kids read them or reading them to your kids until they and talking to them about it. 
How'd school go? Fine. Okay, dinner's in two hours. Go do your homework. Okay. Can I eat in my room? Yes. We ain't gonna get it done like that, y'all. And I'm sorry, and you can unsubscribe if that message offends you, because that's the message I'm gonna repeat until they find my body in some field somewhere, because I'm gonna be the last man, the last foxhole, y'all. And so, I'm going to repeat that message. We're not going to get it done. And you'll see Demosthenes, 2,300 years ago, calling out the Athenians for that same thing. If you want different results, we got to follow a different plan. Because the plan we've been following has not worked out for us. Same now. Um, I want to read to you a little bit about Plutarch. Plutarch wrote, and you want to read something nice, y'all. Plutarch's biography, this is my old, again, you can see, man, this, this thing's been repaired, man, look at that, look at that, Joey repaired it, because this is my favorite uh, edition, I don't know what year this is, what year is this, Joseph, I don't know, man, printed, no, nah, I probably don't even say the year, you know what I mean, or if it did, I've, I've torn out the page that said the year, I don't know, it doesn't say the year, but anyway, it's old, you know what I'm saying, it's an old copy. Random House, it doesn't say the year, it usually says the year, you know what I mean, but it doesn't. But anyway, he has a biography, why did I go off on that? That's like three minutes every time. Anyway, he has a biography of Demosthenes. I wanted to read a little bit to you of the biography of Demosthenes as uh, written by Plutarch, uh, because I want this to encourage some of y'all, because some of you are like, you know, I'd like to play a role in the, you know, restoration of our liberty, but I don't have these natural talents. Now, I could say some things to you like, Maybe you've heard of Moses, right? You heard of Moses, uh, not a good speaker. Enoch in the Bible, not a good speaker. The book of Enoch, he's like, I, I just don't have what it takes, you know. And for Moses, God gave him a spokesman, Aaron, right, his brother. But for Enoch, God just says, get out there and make it happen, Captain. And he did. But I want, So I want to read, for those of you who think, I just don't have what it takes, I'm going to read to you what Plutarch says about Demosthenes. It says, But when he first addressed himself to the people, he met with discouragement and was derided for his strange and uncouth style, which was cumbered with long sentences and tortured with formal arguments to a most harsh and disagreeable excess. Besides, he had, it seems, a weakness in his voice, a perplexed and indistinct utterance, and a shortness of breath, which by breaking and disjointing his sentences, much obscured the sense and the meaning of what he spoke, so that in the end he became quite disheartened. So he would he pretty much was giving up on his career in uh, in politics because people were literally making fun of him. Now, we can't understand you because, like it says, he had a strange style where he tried to sound smart. A lot of people have that problem. Uh, I had that problem in my writing early on. I remember one of my editors when I uh, first started writing for the the New American magazine was like Joey. This is he he called the my writing turgid, and he was right. If you go back and read my stuff from like 2004, whew, If you go read my stuff from 2010, I'm still struggling with that. You know, that swollen trying to. I know these words. You know what I'm saying? So we had Demosthenes, and he had a weakness in his voice. And it just made it where people were like, I don't, you know, they paid too much attention to how he spoke rather than what he was saying. So he decided. And now, 
later on, he, he overcomes all this. And later on, someone's like, hey, Demosthenes, you know, what did you do to overcome these problems that you had with your stammering and your, 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 your weak voice? What did you do to overcome it? And so Plutarch tells that story, too. He says, uh, the ways he made use uh, to remedy his natural bodily infirmities and defects were these. His art, inarticulate and stammering pronunciation, he overcame and rendered more distinct by speaking with pebbles in his mouth. He would fill his mouth with pebbles and then speak until you could understand. He enunciated so well and spoke so clearly that even with pebbles in his mouth, now not to the point of like, not that, but enough that it could encumber your speech. He would do that until you could understand exactly what he's saying. He would learn to enunciate and to strengthen his voice. He would go down by the seashore, put a weight on his chest, and just scream until he was just exhausted, right? Until failure. Isn't that what the, you know, wait, I remember when I used to lift weights my little trainer would be like do it till failure he would scream with this rock on his chest and still until failure just to get his voice so he could be heard over the waves right and he said uh, his voice he disciplined by declaim by declaiming and reciting speeches or verses while he was out of breath while running or or going up steep places so he would give speeches while he was running so that he could strengthen his voice by speaking when he was out of breath and just by pushing through, right? And it said, um, and that in his house he had a large mirror and he would stand in front of it and go through his speaking exercises. And that, that's, uh, to me, that's something that should be encouraging to some of y'all because I know there are people like, I don't speak well, I don't have a strong voice, I... I'm not impressive when I speak. You can learn. Look, some people are given talent for speaking. That's fair enough. You might not have been given that talent, but you can work on developing that that ability. You can work on that, right? You don't. You may not have been given it by nature, but you can work on it. And so, Demosthenes is a good example of that, y'all. It's like you wanna you wanna strengthen something that you really think is important, and you wanna do it but you feel naturally hindered or naturally uh, uh, inadequate, increase your adequacy by practicing. You know, speak with the pebbles in your mouth. Give your speeches when you're out of breath to strengthen your voice, right? Stand in front of a mirror and give your speech. See how you sound. See how you look. Are you doing weird things with your face? You know, um, I do weird things with my face, but I, I don't care, Right. But um, and my hand, I, I learned that I talk a lot with my hands. I don't know. It's not a it's not a very British thing. And I'm like ninety nine percent British. So I don't know where that comes from. But it's, it's something I do. I speak with my hands a lot. But anyway, I mean, that's a good example to me. So you read Plutarch. If you want to know more about him, read Plutarch, uh, Plutarch's biography of Demosthenes in Plutarch's Lives. It's really, really good. And I, we're just going to start, guys. This is one of my favorite. You're going to find out why. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that uh, you just, 
read these speeches. You're going to see why he's my favorite. Just shut up, Joey. Let's just do this thing. Oh, I did want to tell you, though, something weird. So I follow this Instagram account. I don't know if y'all follow it called Verbus. Y'all don't follow it. Anywho, Verbus Latinus. It's it's an it's about ancient languages and and uh, just mostly about just the ancient world, Greece and Rome. So the day after I chose to do Demosthenes for this podcast, the next day they chose to highlight Demosthenes on their account, which I thought was a sign. Like yes, do Demosthenes, man. So I'm gonna do Demosthenes now. And I will. I will before I get into his actual writing, I wanted to say there is an old famous saying. About Demo- Now, Demosthenes is paired with Cicero, you know, parallel lives, right? Plutarch did a Roman and a Greek that he thought were similar, paired them up, right? So Demosthenes, a Greek, is paired with Cicero, a Roman. And there was in the ancient world a saying, and I wanted to read you that saying because you'll see, I, I love me some Cicero, but I love Demosthenes more. And I think this ancient saying sums up why I love Demosthenes more than Cicero, but don't get me wrong. They're both awesome. But the saying was, when Cicero finished speaking, the people declared how well he speaks. But when Demosthenes finished speaking, the people shouted, let us march. That's what we need. Great that you speak well. Great. You know, great that people think I'm a really good teacher. Swell, who cares? That's, that's you know, that's fine. But if things don't change, if when you hear this, if it thinks she's, wow, that guy's a good teacher, that guy's a good speaker, nothing changes. But when Demosthenes finished speaking, the people shouted, let us march. It's another way I've heard people say it is when Cicero finished, people would applaud. And when Demosthenes finished, they'd grab swords. Well, we need some sword grabbers. I, I don't need applause don't care for it, doesn't change me, doesn't make me feel good, never has, doesn't do anything for me at all. Keep the applause, keep your hands, you know, if you're going to be motivated by what I say, I hope it's not motivated to applaud, but motivated to pick up that sword, yeah? All right, let's start. So, this is, uh, I'm going to do with this like I did with Trenchard and Gordon. I'm going to read you some stuff and just talk about it the way I would in class when I taught these things, the way we do in book club, which starts the same night you're see- the same day you're seeing this. Book club starts tonight. Sorry for y'all that didn't get involved. We're doing Plutarch's essays. Oh, my goodness. All right. So we're going to start out with the first Olynthiac. All right. So the first Olynthiac uh, delivered about 349 B.C. OK, just to get that in your head. Delivered about 349 B.C. Uh, sadly, Olynthus fell to Philip a year later. But I'm going to read you some of this. This isn't the whole thing, obviously, but this is a little taste. I want to get you all to where you're like, oh, my goodness, I want to read the whole thing, right? The present crisis. So here we go. Out of the first Olynthiac Demosthenes. And I'm reading out of the Loeb edition, okay? So... I say that because if you're going to get it online and you might get another translation, you might be like, it doesn't say that in mine. Remember the English translation of the Greek, okay? So you, you're going to get various translations, but they'll all say about the same, okay? So here we go. First Olynthiac, 349 B.C., Demosthenes. The present, and remember, what's the point? 
liken these things unto ourselves so that it might be for our profit and learning. Knowing this means nothing unless we use it to make a difference in our own world, okay? Knowing that Demosthenes was influential in saving, no, that who cares? We got to use what he did to change our world, okay? All right, here we go. The present crisis, Athenians, calls on you almost with an audible voice to take into your own hands the control of your interests if you're really anxious to safeguard them. Guys, we're in that same crisis. An audible voice calling to us to take into our own hands. We can take it into our own hands what happens if we care to safeguard our homes. It's up to us. It's up to us, right? But there you see, we're in this crisis with him, right? All right. And yet, men of Athens, it's reasonable to suggest that the very thing which makes Philip's position more redoubtable is also most encouraging for you. Now, he's saying the very thing that makes Philip powerful also makes him vulnerable. Now, this reminds me of Marcus Aurelius, the Stoic, who said, the obstacle becomes the way. Now, how would we apply this? Well, I would say, what is it about the current tyrannical government in charge in the United States that makes them at once powerful but vulnerable also? What is it? Think about that. You know, don't just use these things for like little gobbets and, and uplifting stories. Use these as a training manual, as a guide to how to wage this war, our own crisis against tyranny. Think of how, because he's saying, think about it. The thing that makes Philip especially powerful also makes him especially vulnerable. What would you think that is about the current tyrannical government? What about them that makes them powerful also makes them vulnerable? Think about that. The eyes of the Olynthians are open to the fact that they are now fighting not for glory, not for a strip of territory, but to avert the overthrow and the enslavement of their fatherland. Guys, I am very much anti-war. Very much anti-war. Because I do not believe in preemptive war. I do not believe in war for the gaining of territory or expansion. But defensive, but we're in a defensive war. We're not fighting for glory or for a strip of territory. We, if we fight now, we're fighting to overthrow, to avert our overthrow and to avert the enslavement of our people. I'm all about that kind of war because we didn't start it, they did. We're not, we're not the insurrectionists, they are. We're not the traitors, they are. I bid you grasp 
these facts, men of Athens, and whenever I say Athens, just say America. I bid you grasp these facts, men of Athens, and weigh well all the important considerations. Make up your minds, rouse your spirits, and put your heart into the war. It's now or never. Guys, weigh well. In Greek, the same. You remember what that word is in Latin? Ponder? Where we get our word pound? Ponder to weigh? Weigh well. The important consider. Weigh what the pros and cons are of letting this government grow bigger, take more of our possessions, tax us at a higher rate, put more regulations on us, force more satanic socialist nonsense into our society. Make up your minds which side you're on but rouse your spirits and put your heart into this fight because it's now or never. Man, you no longer have a shadow of excuse for shirking your duty. Now, guys, here's the thing about this. Once you know these things, you're accountable. And I think that's the reason a lot of people don't like thinking about these things and reading these things and studying these things because it will cause that twinge of conviction knowing that man if I'd just done a what's that that Cato the anti-federalist Cato said if I'd have shown a little wisdom and a little foresight I could prevented my children from wading through seas of blood to restore their liberty. You no longer have a shadow of excuse for shirking your duty. You got to decide which side you're on, rouse your spirit, and get your heart into it. Men of Athens, America, you must not let slip the opportunity that offers, offers, nor make the blunder you have so often made before. Unfortunately, we always neglect the present chance and imagine that the future will right itself. And so, men of Athens, Philip has us to thank for his prosperity. Guys, don't let these opportunities slip by as we have so often done before because we neglect these opportunities thinking the future will take care of itself. So Demosthenes says, why is Philip so successful? Because y'all keep thinking that it'll be okay. We'll be okay. You keep thinking that the future is going to take care of itself. It will not. So you keep kicking the can down the street to the next generation who kicks it to their kids, who will kick it to their kids until the point where you can't dig a pond in your yard without permission from the king in the United States of America. You can't build an addition onto your house without going down to the city and asking their permission, getting a license. You can't go throw a line in a lake and get a fish out of that and feed your family 
without a little permission slip from the government for you to fish. You can't go out in the woods, shoot an animal to feed your family unless you get permission from the king first. You can call him whatever you like. You can call him governor. You can call him secretary of the whatever. You can call it the field and game office. You know what? You can call it whatever you like. It's just asking permission of the tyrant. That's all it is. You literally cannot pull a fish out of a pond until the king gives you his permission slip. We've been trading rights for permission for too long now. The future is not going to take care of itself, and we are the reason the government has grown tyrannical. We, men of Athens, Philip has us to thank for his prosperity. We didn't stop it. We still aren't stopping it. And it, the government gets grows larger and more intrusive and more destructive every year. Because the future somehow, we always neglect the present chance and imagine that the future will take care of itself. So the tyrant has us to thank men of America for their prosperity. So in national affairs, those who fail to use their opportunities aright fail also to acknowledge the good that the gods have given. For every advantage in the past is judged in the light of the final issue. It is therefore our duty, men of Athens, to keep a careful eye on the future, that by restoring our prosperity, we may erase the discredit of the past. Guys, we, do, we don't have to have our children and grandchildren grow up in such, in the sick society that we all like talk, how sick society has grown, how terrible, how tyrannical, how despotic, how destructive, how vile, how wicked, how confused. We don't have to do that. We don't, that doesn't have to be what happens. We need to take our opportunities and acknowledge that why are we free in the first place? Because God gave to our fathers opportunities, miracles. If you've never studied about the war for independence and you think it was just France, you don't know the story. Yes, we have a lot to thank France for. Reminds me of that story. It used to make me teary-eyed, but when Blackjack Pershing, General John Blackjack Pershing, landed in France and went right to the grave of Lafayette and said, we're just here to repay the favor. We have a lot to thank the French for, for winning the war for independence. We have a lot more to thank God for winning that war. And he will bless us in like manner with miracles. 
Every advantage of the past is, a, is judged in the light of the final issue. When we win, then our children and grandchildren will say, look at the miracles. Look what they were up against. And they did it. And it'll be pictures of us that generations from now people have on their walls and say, oh yeah, that's, that's our founding fathers. But you gotta recognize that if we fail to take these opportunities, then we are failing to acknowledge the good that God has done for us in the past and will do for us again. And if we keep a careful eye and restore our liberty, that will erase so much of the discredit of the past. Our ancestors, our descendants, won't remember that we let it get this bad if we just stop right now and start turning this thing around. Quit clapping for good speeches and grab that sword. Quit sending your kids to those bloody indoctrination camps where they're taught wrong things day in, day out by strangers. Sacrifice whatever it takes to sacrifice. Imagine reading these things tonight. We wouldn't be in the state we are if those of us today, if people my age had been read these things at nine years old instead of being read Dick and Jane or Encyclopedia Brown or whatever nonsense we were being read to us, to us if we'd have been read this stuff like our ancestors, we would have fought like them. But guess what? It didn't happen, but we can, we can erase the discredit of the past by keeping an eye on the future, by restoring our prosperity, by taking advantage of every opportunity that God gives us. Because he says, men of Athens, ooh, men of Athens, I want you to know and to realize what an expensive game it is to squander your interests one by one. Unless we stop it now, the government will just grow larger and control more and more of our lives and force more and more obedience until they completely control. They will not, guys, you're not going to vote yourself out of tyranny. Mm -mm. You can vote yourself into it, which is what we've done, but you got to fight your way out of it. It's not a happy thought. But it is what it is, guys. You can vote yourself into it. You can't vote yourself out of it. You've got to fight your way out of it. And what an expensive game it is to, let, to squander these opportunities. You think taxes are high now. You think the world is sick now. Well, if we don't do anything...